Hi, Christopher Pogue here once again. Uh, yeah, so this time I'm I'm just going to do this by myself because Angela Tyler doesn't want to join me. She's too busy being a bitch. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, so this year marks the 50th, 50th anniversary of The Godfather. Uh, they did a segment about it at the Oscars between Will Smith slapping Chris Rock and winning an Oscar, so... You might have missed it. Uh, and recently, the Paramount Plus streaming network came out uh, with a limited series about the making of The Godfather, so I thought I'd do a podcast about it. Uh, the Godfather, obviously, is a classic. It's a great movie, and it is, it is a classic for a reason. Godfather 2, also excellent. I'll, I'll be honest, though, as a kid, I didn't like Part 2 that much because it moves slower and it was more contemplative and less violent and, and sexy as the original. But when I got older, I, I understood it better. Uh, I realized it was it was smarter and more focused than part three, which brought back uh, the sexy violence, but was more obligatory, you know, less focused, and frankly, a bit of a drag, part three was. Uh, what makes the Godfather films, iconic cinema is their broad themes of capitalism, family, power, and legacy. These are big, relatable ideas that people contemplate all the time being woven into a very appealing story. Uh, if you don't know the story of The Godfather, it's about an aging mafia don, uh, Vito Corleone, played by Marlon Brando, who has four grown sons and a daughter. Uh, one son's a hothead, one's a weak idiot, one's an adopted uh, non-Italian who's the family lawyer, and then there's the youngest, Michael, played by Al Pacino, who's really the focus of the story. Uh, people always talk about Brando when they talk about Godfather, but really he was a figurehead. Pacino's character is the central role. Uh, central role. Michael is a World War II veteran and college kid who wants nothing to do with his family's business. He, he has a non-Italian girlfriend played by Diane Keaton, and he tells her when he tells her about his family, that's my family, not me. But then the godfather, Vito, he, he gets gunned down, and Michael decides to kill the guys who gunned him down so they don't finish the job. After that, Michael goes to Sicily to hide out and falls in love with a Sicilian girl and marries her. Uh, this part of the story used to bug me because he has the American girlfriend he completely turns his back on and then, and then he marries a girl who doesn't speak English and he doesn't seem to have much dialogue with. Now, now I kind of get it more. I mean, the murders he committed made him more primal. He's, you know, he's following his more baser instincts. You know, he's a changed man now. Now, that change solidifies when his, uh, his wife is killed because of his actions in America. And after that, his father makes peace with the family's enemies and Michael returns to America. Uh, he marries his old girlfriend and, and takes over his father's business as his father goes into semi-retirement. Uh, his father tells him he never wanted this for him and, and thought he should be uh, more of a legit member of society, but that uh, that doesn't stop Michael from taking over his family business completely uh, you know after his father dies and he has his mob rivals rubbed out during his nephew's christening thus becoming Godfather in his traditional family and his mob family 
After this, uh, his wife asks him, asks him point blank if he's a killer. He lies through his teeth and he tells her that he isn't, but she can tell he's lying when she sees some mob guys kissing his ring in a private room as the door closes on her. That's how part one ends. Part two of The Godfather is a two-time uh, period story of young Vito becoming the Godfather and Michael trying to keep his family together as his mob life gets more difficult. Uh, I mean, this is great storytelling because it really shows the difference between uh, Michael and Vito and their circumstances. Vito was a poor immigrant from Sicily whose whole family was murdered and had to immigrate to America to stay alive. He, yeah, he, he came over to America by himself as a little boy. He's a poor immigrant who, who does what he has to do to stay alive and provide for his family. Uh, Michael, on the other hand, is a privileged rich kid who chooses, chooses to do horrible things to, prefer, to uh, preserve his power and destroys his family in the process. His wife has an abortion and he kills his own brother. Uh, an ending doesn't get much darker than that. Uh, and this brings us to Godfather 3, where Michael is in his 60s and he's trying to wash away his sins and go completely legit. Uh, literally, he, he gets the Catholic Church to, involved to clean his dirty money. He gives the Vatican $600 million for their stake in a multi-billion dollar corporation. The, I mean, this is why I think uh, part three is underrated. Yes, I mean, it's, it's a little overwrought and overdramatic, but there's the incest storyline that the, that the director, Francis Ford Coppola, he cast his own daughter to be a part of. I mean, not to mention, you know, her acting is bland and droney, just horrible. But I love how they have the Catholic affiliation with the mob, illustrating the hypocrisy and corruption of mainstream religion. I, you know, I just thought that was totally dead on. Michael, he tries to go legit by doing business with the Vatican, but it only makes things worse. Things get even more violent, and uh, Michael's annoying daughter gets murdered due to his shady business dealings. I I thought this was an appropriate ending. Michael wasn't, you know, he wasn't able to redeem himself uh, because he followed the wrong path, but Coppola, uh, the director, was able to redeem himself because he killed off his no-talent daughter. Love that. So when, you know, so when you watch a movie when you're a kid, you don't know anything about the world. So when you see a movie for adults, uh, like I did, you, know, you might not, you might not get all of it. So when I go back and watch the Godfather trilogy as an adult, I know I notice and appreciate things that I didn't before, like uh, how it's a it's a story of it's a story of capitalism and in the American dream. Vito Corleone is an immigrant who made who made it in America by being a vicious killer, just like all the other immigrants. Uh, let's be honest, and just like all the other immigrants descendants Vito's kids carried on the tradition and became vicious killers too uh which brings me to the offer uh, a new limited series on the Paramount network about the making of the Godfather it's the story of Alan Ruddy a producer trying to get uh, Mario's Mario Puzo's book The Godfather made into a film it's an amazing story that was turned into a TV show for a reason because so many people didn't want this great flick to be made. Uh, Mario Puzo didn't even want to write the book. He had gambling debts. 
he needed to pay off and his books weren't selling. So he did what he didn't want to do, write a mafia book. Then there's Frank Sinatra. He didn't want the movie to be made because the Johnny Fontaine character, uh, this, yeah, he was this, uh, He's this character who's a he's a he's a he's a singer uh, actor guy who had mob ties, uh, you know that was based on Sinatra, you know, and it makes sense he wouldn't he wouldn't like it Sinatra didn't like it because Fontaine was a pussy who cried to the Godfather because he couldn't get a movie role he apparently attacked Mario Puzo in a restaurant because of the book, uh, but the book. Couldn't have been that far off because Sinatra really did have mob ties, and in particular to, to Joe Colombo. This guy actually started the Italian-American Anti-Defamation League because he didn't want The Godfather uh, made into a movie. He had Alan Ruddy uh, threatened into not making it, and Ruddy actually had to have a meeting with him and promised not to use the word mafia in the movie, and... And you know, if you go through the movie, yeah, it's it's not in there. You know, they didn't, the word mafia not used one one time, and so I guess Colombo was okay with that. They didn't, uh, yeah, that they they didn't acknowledge the mafia. So, um, uh, not and then then there's the the big wigs making the movie themselves. Uh, they seemed hell bent on destroying the movie too. Uh, producer Robert Evans didn't want Al Pacino to star in it, and didn't want Puzo to help write the screenplay. Sure, I mean, uh, Puzo was, or excuse me, Pacino was a nobody at the time, but he wanted, uh, uh, but Evans wanted Robert Redford in the role. Uh, you know, yeah, like, yeah, Ro- I mean, Redford, yeah, he's a decent actor, but like, he wasn't even a, he's not even a tie-in, and, uh, and you know, even if, even if he could pass for a tie-in, he sure as hell, you know, couldn't pass for, you know, Southern Italian or, or Sicilian, like, uh, you know, like the Corleone f- family was, uh, you know, with the, with the dark features and everything. So then, uh, so yeah, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been right for the role. Then there was this, uh, there was this corporate guy at Paramount. Uh, yeah, Par- Paramount was a studio who made The Godfather, so it makes sense, the, the offer the story about the Godfather would be on the Paramount Plus network. Uh, so this this corporate guy at Paramount he he didn't want he didn't want to pay for the movie to be a period piece and wanted it to be modern day. He wanted Michael to be a nom vet instead of instead of a World War II vet. That that wouldn't have worked. Uh, you know the story was set in the forties for a reason. After World War II, the country kind of went rampant with conservative values, and that now that was a big theme of the story. Not to mention uh, the issue of the drug trade. Vito, he gets gunned down because he didn't want to get involved with drugs, but then he compromises, agreeing to help with drugs as as long as it's controlled. the The drug trade. There's there's this great scene where all these mob guys are talking about distributing drugs, and this and this one don says, "Sell it to the colored neighborhood. We'll sell it in the colored neighborhoods. They're animals anyway. Let them lose their souls." So. This uh, so this movie becomes, you know, becomes this history lesson about problems that still affect us today. So they needed to go further back. I think, you know, it, it just, you know, it wouldn't have worked if you know, they said it in the seventies. Uh, then 
there was Puzo. He didn't he didn't want to write. He just sat on his fat ass eating lasagna all day. Ruddy needed pages to sell the movie. Puzo wouldn't write. He was he was lucky they even hired him. They don't like authors adapting their own material, usually. The the studios don't. And you know, Puzo clearly didn't get that. How the hell this movie got made is beyond me, which is why I'm really looking forward to more episodes of the offer. Okay, uh, that's all for today. Uh, you know, thank you for listening, all uh, two of you. All right. Uh, see you next time. Bye.